right, y'all, we are back. And I'm actually excited for this. I've had a lot of guests on recently and we have learned so much, or at least I have. I hope you've taken that value as well. But this is another solo episode and I actually wanted to do a follow-up to episode 16. So if you missed episode 16, I got really vulnerable, y'all, and told my personal story of what it was like growing up with a brother who was diagnosed with autism at 23 months of age. And again, I use that language diagnosed with or my brother with autism because at the time that was the language in our family. But otherwise, I really try to focus on identity first language on this podcast. But I wanted to do a follow-up episode. There's actually a couple ideas that spurred from that episode. So you can plan for those to come. My mom and I had a conversation after we got talking about even the support that she needed and what support she did seek out and all of that. So I'd love to dive into that at some point, but this episode is going to be focused on how do you as a parent support your non-autistic children through this autism journey? So what today's episode is going to be are three takeaways that you can implement today. It isn't going to take a lot of extra learning or resources or anything like that. They are small tweaks. And I want to remind you, though, is I know you are doing the absolute best to your ability. And this was something that I learned through my own therapy journey is my parents did the best to their ability as well. I also know that they would have loved to have a podcast like this where they could have been like, okay, Listen, we're going through this with Matthews. That's the name of my brother. We're going through this with Matthews. How do we support Taylor in this? How do we support ourselves in this? And so my mission of this podcast is just being able to provide families the things that I wish my family had and that I see are such gaps in our current sphere, in our current space of autism support. So we're going to talk about three key takeaways today that you can implement. So let's go ahead and dive in and do that. I'm Dr. Tay, a licensed child psychologist and parental mindset coach specializing in autism. I have supported hundreds of autistic children and their families and have been in the autism field for over a decade. I'm the host of Evolve, the podcast where we have real conversations that are designed for autism parents just like you. Each week, we will discuss topics that directly impact your life, from providing psychoeducation about autism and neurodiversity to talking about your personal growth, well-being, and evolution as a parent, we dive into it all. Just keep in mind, nothing shared on this podcast is clinical advice, and you should consult with a medical or mental health provider if you need support. Now, let's get to talking about how you can support your non-autistic children through this autism journey. So, like I said, three takeaways right from the top of the episode. Let's talk about what those are, and then I will dive in. So number one is talking about autism. This needs to be common language in your family. It needs to be addressed. You need to help your other children understand it, and there's ways to do this in a developmentally appropriate way. But the more we talk about it, the more that we normalize it, the more that It helps to build awareness. It shouldn't be something that we are trying to stay away from or that we feel shameful about. Not only should we be talking about autism in our households, that was something that happened for my family. We talked about it in our household, but actually it was really interesting talking to extended family members 
after episode 16 aired. And it was like, wow, I didn't really understand what was going on at the time. And I think because of the stigma, we didn't talk about it outside of our household. And I think that's an important piece too. So that is number one. Number two is quality over quantity. Your time with your other children matters so much. So more likely than not, if we look at proportions of time, you are probably spending more time and energy on your autistic child maybe than your non-autistic children. And quick caveat, when I say non-autistic children, you absolutely can have multiple children that are diagnosed with autism, and this will still apply. You also might have children that are neurodivergent in other ways. They have ADHD. Their brains think differently. Maybe they have something like a learning disorder. Maybe they were speech delayed, all these different things. But I want you to think about this of like, okay, how are we supporting your quote unquote other children. And more likely than not, you're probably spending more time and energy driving your autistic child to all their different therapies, working on things at home. And so we need to focus on quality over quantity of time for your other children. And number three is boundaries. Boundaries are super, super important, not only for your non-autistic children, but you also have to have those boundaries for your autistic children as well. So that your non-autistic children can see that yes, maybe there are different rules and different ways things are done, but that there's still this level of consistency and that it's not a free-for-all for your autistic child, just like it's not a free-for-all for your non-autistic child. So we're gonna dive into that. Let's get to talking about point number one. It was interesting, I don't remember what episode it was, but with Chelsea Farmer, she was a guest on the podcast. She has an autistic son and a non-autistic son. And she actually was saying like, how do we navigate this? And what should we be doing? And I said, the biggest thing is let's talk about autism. Let's normalize it. Let's help your non-autistic children. And this actually applies to your autistic child as well. Once they're at a point where they can understand this language is that autism it's not a scary thing. It's not this horrible thing. These were her words. It's not a death sentence, which resonated with me so, so much because doing diagnostic evaluations and giving that feedback, parents sometimes can receive it that way. And you have to have your own emotional processing and journey in all of this. And I encourage you to do that. So these are these tangible tips of how you support your autistic child. But actually, as I'm talking out loud here, like, man, I should have made number one, making sure you are supporting yourself in this journey, being able to process. There's previous podcast episodes on that. And I promise I'm going to circle back around to the parent side of this, of my personal story and of how you can keep supporting yourself. But right now I am doing something really unique in that I am doing free assessment reviews with parents. And what I mean by this is I actually have what's called the Habits of Thinking Assessment. I'll link it in the show notes. This is gonna help you understand how your brain thinks. And if your thoughts are supporting you or they're sabotaging you. And so you can go take this for free, click on the link, and then when I see your email come through, I will reach out and say, hey, let's schedule a time period where we can go over your results and really go through it and thinking about how you can support yourself as well as help to understand how your brain is working so that you can support your family in this. And so 
the prequel to all of this is support yourself in this journey. And I'd love to be a resource for that. So talking about autism, that was my main point is it might look like Johnny has autism or Johnny is autistic. You kind of get to decide what language you want to use, what feels right for your family. I said this at the beginning of the episode, but generally speaking, we are moving towards identity first language, autistic versus child with autism. Listen, it's got to work for your family. It's got to be something you feel comfortable saying. And you can say to your kids, what that means is Johnny's brain thinks differently. So say Johnny is having a meltdown and one of your other kids is like, what is going on? This is overwhelming for me. And you might then take that moment or later on going into their room and explaining to them, yeah, that was really difficult. And so not only are we talking about autism in this process, we're also validating their emotions and their feelings and their experiences, which is gonna also relate to number two with that quality time. But talking about autism, talking about how brains think differently, and when you do this, it's super, super important to your non-autistic children that we don't just point out the areas of challenge, like, oh, Mary can't do this, or Evelyn can't do this, or Max can't do this. It's like, okay, but I want you to notice how your brother, his brain thinks in really cool ways. He loves numbers, and he loves letters, and also helping to teach your non-autistic children how they can be part of this journey too. Yeah, your brother just loves letters. Why don't you go work with him on that? Or why don't you go play letters with him? Things like that. Giving, especially depending on the age, but giving your non-autistic children an active role in this journey, not feeling like it's something so separate from your life that autism is embedded. And I didn't go into all the details on the podcast. Again, episode 16, my personal story. It was a lot about my vulnerability, but there were so many details when my mom listened to it. She's like, yeah, there was this and this and this. And I was like, and maybe I just need to do a full follow-up episode. I don't think I said this in the episode, but my brother actually had this therapy room. They converted our basement to this therapy room and they were like off doing that. And that was therapy at the time. It was ABA therapy. I will say so, so fortunate due to my mom's advocacy in large part, the ABA was very naturalistic in nature, but they were still pretty separated. And the therapist, the BCBA was like, hey, you need a separate space. I actually recommend, of course, there's times and places for things, but recommend integrating your child's therapy into your everyday life. So I remember coming home from school and my mom was very, very intentional about this. She would always know I was coming home on the bus and she would walk upstairs and greet me and ask me how my day was, which relates to quality time. And then she would have to go back downstairs. And that was the situation. So the more that Autism can be part of your non-autistic children's journey, whether that's talking about it and helping them to understand their sibling. It's also about then how can they be part of everything you're doing that is going to be really helpful. So that's kind of the gist. We can dive more into those specifics, but I think the biggest thing is not what you say, it's that you're saying it, that you're talking about it. And then also I talked at the start of the episode how we didn't really talk about it outside of our family either. And I think by modeling you telling other people about this when it feels appropriate, that's modeling for all your children, this level of acceptance. So don't just keep it contained in your home either. Life happens outside 
outside of your home. It happens inside your home. Just like life happens in your living room and you can support all your children at the same time. It doesn't need to be this separated thing. So the more integration, the better. Point number two, quality over quantity. So one of the things in the coaching program that I'm certified in and that I've actually at this point adapted for parents of autistic children, I went through this coaching program myself first and not through this lens of parents of autistic children, but more my own self-growth and development. It starts off right away about talking about what we call intrinsic validation. And there are steps for doing this where it's really about listening to understand. It's not listening to respond. It's not listening to problem solve. It's not listening to defend yourself or to teach something. It's listening to understand. And this is what I mean by quality over quantity. Can you create space? And it literally five minutes, y'all, can be so powerful. But asking your non-autistic children, whether it's sitting down with them and asking how their day is and really trying to be intentionally present in that moment. Yes, other things may be going on. Maybe your autistic daughter is having a meltdown. So in this situation, it does take some intentionality of you either deciding, are you going to let someone else deal with your autistic daughter? Is she going to regulate herself? Or is it looking at Avery and saying, Avery, I know we're in the middle of something. Listen, I'm going to go help to regulate your sister, Rachel, right now. I promise you I will be back and we're going to pick up this conversation. And yes, it doesn't feel good to be interrupted, but at least the intentionality is there. And then it's super, super important as soon as you get Rachel regulated, and that might mean in that moment you're not trying to teach skills. It might be, okay, Rachel, go swing on your swing or even go watch the iPad get Rachel regulated, and then you come back to Avery and saying, I am so sorry that got interrupted. Where were we? Or even better, asking the question that you were about to ask right before you left, jumping back into that conversation. But five minutes is really all it takes. I would say optimally in the therapy world, we call it special time and it's used for something different, but special time is For kids that have more challenging behaviors, we actually create an opportunity and a time for them to receive positive attention where there's no rules. You're not trying to direct them, all of that. And that's 20 minutes long. And that is an intervention strategy. We're not necessarily trying to change and shape behavior here, but we're trying to make it so your non-autistic children feel seen, heard, and supported in this journey too. So can you create that little bit of time, whether they are talking about their day, you're sitting down, you're playing with them. Again, if your autistic child interrupts, maybe redirecting them, or you're asking your partner or asking a different child in your household, hey, can you hang out with your brother right now? And being really intentional. And I know you're overburdened. I promise you, though, this is going to be so incredibly impactful. It's actually going to make things easier in the long run as well. So being intentional, creating that space. But I also encourage you, create the space to talk about autism too. Especially if there's a really hard day, ask your non-autistic children, how are you feeling about this? What was that like for you? And again, you're not trying to fix in this moment. You're not trying to make everything better and resolve the issue. You simply 
are just listening to understand. You're giving them a space to feel seen, heard, and supported. I want you to envision sitting across from someone and they do that for you. You feel there's so much warmth. You feel understood in that moment, even if it's a brief interaction. And so it's that intentionality with your children too. Tip number three before we wrap up this episode is then talking about boundaries. So I made some references to this saying to Rachel, you're basically saying in that moment, you cannot interrupt this conversation and you're still prioritizing Avery in that situation as an example. But your autistic child needs boundaries in the same way that your non-autistic children need boundaries. And this is based on decades and decades of research that the most effective parenting style is one that has high warmth and high control. It's called authoritative parenting. And what authoritative parenting is meaning You as the parent have the control. There is a natural hierarchy where you are in charge and it creates structure and boundaries for your child. That actually helps them to completely thrive. And sometimes it's like, no, my child doesn't like boundaries or they like to be in control. They will push back, but we know from research that this is going to be the most supportive for their development. And it's interesting. I was actually watching a reel on Instagram and it was of a podcast and this woman was saying, I didn't like when my father pushed back. It was actually Savannah Chrisley. She was saying my dad had structure. My dad had boundaries and I didn't like it as a kid, but now as an adult, I appreciate it so much. The other piece of this is you need high warmth. This is love. This is support. This is spending that quality time, all of that. And this is true regardless of your child's diagnosis. We need this. Now, boundaries may be different for your non-autistic child than your autistic child, right? It might need to look a little bit different and it might vary. And this is, again, we're having really open conversations with your non-autistic children of, listen, I understand it feels not fair. Validate that. If they're like, but why does Johnny get to spend all this time on the iPad, but you're telling me I only have an hour a day? And talking through that. But it also might be what I call a doorbell of awareness. That conversation might be like, hmm, why does Johnny get so much iPad time? And that might be something you're just doing by default. And it's like, no, I need to be putting some boundaries around it for Johnny too, just like I do for my other children. And so Boundaries may look different, rules may look different, but it's important that they are still there. And it's important that you explain that to your non-autistic children. Like, yes, they're not the same, but here are your sister's rules. Here are your brother's rules and making it really clear. Fairness, life is unfair, unfortunately. I wish it wasn't, but it is, right? And so fairness isn't the sense of like everyone has the same rules. That actually wouldn't be fair if some of your kids don't have the skill set to be able to follow through on those rules. It's the same way that in terms of developmental appropriateness, we adjust it as well. But the thought is it does not need to be fair and it will help with some of that feeling of unfairness 
if there are some rules. So I think those boundaries are really, really important. Just like not only do they exist, but how are you consistently implementing them? When your autistic child is continually interrupting your conversation to tell you random facts about dinosaurs, but you're talking to your younger daughter, what are you doing? How are you responding? And keeping in mind that what you model to your children is what they start to learn. And this is true of all your children. And so you might tell your autistic son who loves dinosaurs, hey, I'm talking to your sister right now. Why don't you go write those down for me? Or why don't you go draw me a picture of one of these dinosaurs? So sometimes too, it's giving a replacement behavior, a replacement activity to help make sure that you're holding space for your non-autistic children in the same way. So I hope those help. I wanted to make them quick, digestible, things that you can take away. And I share this as a sibling that grew up, if you missed episode 16, I know I've referenced it 12 million times in this episode, but it's really shaped the type of work that I do now. It was a journey and we know so much more now. It's interesting to think about my parents. They did implement some of these things. Could it have been to at a higher degree or more frequency? Yes. So for example, my mom was telling me this story and then I'm going to wrap up this episode that when she was listening, she remembered this. She said that the ABA therapist told her that I was in too many activities and that my brother was spending too much time in the car and that she had to hire someone to drive me everywhere, that she couldn't be the one doing it. And my mom and I had this conversation about how disempowering that is as a parent because the therapists were putting my brother's needs ahead of mine and she felt very very conflicted despite being an amazing advocate sometimes didn't feel like she had a voice in this she wanted to be able to drive me to my activities because that's a great bonding time for you and your children is in the car when there's not a lot of distractions and she didn't want to be doing that and so That left her very conflicted. And I remember that so saliently. That was reducing our quality time. So intention can be there and execution is important within your space, within your boundaries that you find possible. You also can't do it to the extent that you sacrifice yourself in this process because you also deserve to feel seen, heard, and supported, which links back to the prequel of this all is you also have to be willing to do this for yourself in order for you to be able to best show up for your family and for your children. And that was the gap in my brother's therapy experiences. No one was thinking about my parents. No one was thinking about me. They were only thinking of my brother. And this is pretty, still pretty common in the therapy world, that person's patient or that person's client. And we need to shift this as a whole. If you've listened to previous episodes, you've heard me talk about my whole family approach, which is designed to support the whole family through this journey. I wish there was more of that. Hopefully it starts to create some waves. And that's why I have this podcast is being able to give you this information so that you can start to support yourself and the rest of your family in this journey. All right, y'all, that is a wrap for this week's episode. Again, just to recap, is really talking about autism, normalizing it. It's got to be within your life 
within your home, outside of your home, but also make autism part of your life. Don't make it this separate thing. That's going to really help your non-autistic children's emotional processing and understanding what's going on. Number two is quality over quantity, spending that time with your non-autistic children and really listening to understand. And number three is setting boundaries for all your children, clearly communicating those boundaries as well and reinforcing them. That's all for today's episode. Thanks for listening. You find yourself listening to these episodes and finding value. Come join the Evolve Facebook group. Each week I record podcast episodes live in that community and host a Q&A after each episode. You get access to engage with me, plus you can connect with other like-minded autism parents. It is a community designed for you to feel seen, heard, and supported as a parent of an autistic child and introduces you to my whole family approach. The group is linked in the show notes. I will be back next week with another real conversation about all things autism and your family life. Be sure to hit the plus or follow button in the podcast platform that you are listening to right now. This will notify you when the next episode is live. Catch you all later.